ready to go? Are you high enough yet? I guess what I'm asking. It's a gradient. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Woods Cast. Uh, I am Justin Woods, and with me, per the usual, is my younger uh, Tool concert attending brother. I'm very jealous. Hey, what up? That was a fun show. That was a really fun show. That was an expensive show. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't imagine that was going to be a cheap one. I mean, that's, I mean, I, technically, I still have not paid back Nick Mal, so as of now, I saw Tool for free. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, right. technically, I've not paid him back, so I haven't paid anymore. Um, yeah. We've all played that game. Yeah, no, but uh, no, it was fun. Uh, I was uh, almost excited two nights, and I almost went to the second night. Um, but a, I think tickets were like 150 something. And, uh, I had a sneaking suspicion they were going to play the exact same set the second night, which is exactly what happened. So yeah. if I had yeah. paid like $300 to, to hear the same 12 songs twice, I'd have been pissed. Dude, I mean, but there are people that do that. Um, yeah. I, have, I have several friends that are really into, uh, Pearl Jam and I like Pearl Jam as much as the next guy, but I just, you know, I'm a fan. I'm not like a super fan. So I went with, uh, with a buddy, you know, friend of the pod, John Maddie. And I was like, cool, man, you know, Pearl Jam. And they're like, what's your favorite album? I'm like, 10? And they're like naming like the eighth album that I'd never even fucking heard Oh, yeah, of. the newer ones, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, whatever, guys. Like, yeah. Tool Great fans concept. get pretty intense. Um, it is funny, though, because uh, the, um, you know, this is these guys have been playing since 90. 394 some shit like that so the average age at these concerts it's like it's a lot of dudes in their like 40s bringing their kids to their first show like this guy that sat behind me it brought his uh seven-year-old and it was the kid's first concert was a fucking tool show i was like that's awesome they enjoy it oh he loved it he was yeah, raging. I, He's I can good imagine. yeah yeah there was uh I, I don't know if you caught this but when tool released this new album and it shot straight to the fucking top of the billboard charts um, a lot of Taylor Swift fans were severely butthurt. Tool. Yeah, they were severely butthurt because this like out of nowhere band. Yeah, uh, never heard out. of Tool. Yeah, and like and like there were all these memes like dads everywhere dancing in their in their driveways. Yeah, like, it was yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, there was there was one really good one that that was uh I was uh you know dudes in their forties when a new Tool album drops and it's just Ron Swanson booking ass through the woods. Oh yeah, yeah. there were a bunch of those. It was solid. Yeah, there's another one, and sometimes, like, I get it, like, there's a lot of, the, like, today's pop culture I don't follow just because it doesn't track with me or whatever, you know, and, like, anything that's happening on fucking Nickelodeon now could just, I mean, they could literally be, like, having hardcore pornography on, on you know, Nickelodeon, I wouldn't know anything about it, um, until there was a fucking news article about it, but, like, now, like, these kids are, like, like I I knew about classic rock. Like I knew about rock and roll from the six the sixties and seventies. Yeah. These, these kids just don't like the kids that are into that stuff now. And like there was another article that really fucking hurt me a lot more than I expected. It was like there were apparently a lot of posts when uh apparently um uh holy shit Black Sabbath drawing a blank here lead singer from Black Sabbath Ozzy Osbourne. Thank you. God damn it. I had his, I could see his face. I could see his, like, Sean! yeah, his album cover and everything. Okay. Yeah. yeah but Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. The dude from the TV show on MTV. That guy. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. yeah. No, but um, apparently Ozzy Osbourne did a, like a guest spot on um, a Post Malone album. 
And all these people are posting about how like how awesome Post Malone is because he just like he gives all these unknown artists disability, uh, <laughs> and they're like, you know, nobody knows who Ozzy Osbourne is, but Motherfuckers, he's going now. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna blow up now that Post Malone featured him on his new album. And I was like, I was physically hurt by that. I was like, yeah. are you fucking shitting me? Well, they clearly never taken a ride on the crazy train. That's their problem. Um, yeah, used to no, come I, at me at uh, um, Mac and Dave's because they always wanted us to play music, and I would put an Ozzy Osbourne all the time because we had like a bunch of Ozzy Osbourne CDs for some reason. They're like, Justin, chill it out a little bit. These are older people. I'm like whatever, dude. Whatever, dude. Rock out, man. Oh. Fucking, oh, come on, dude. Bang your heads. Uh, that you know that doesn't surprise me because you know like when we were kids, the internet wasn't really around as much so like you still like went to your friend's house and like borrowed cds and oh, yeah, listened yeah. and they would say so like you know everybody's dad had you know dad like our dad had his vinyl collection and all my friends dads had theirs so that's where i found out a bunch of that shit but kids now only just have whatever gets thrown at them through streaming services and social media yeah. which is usually going to be the most recent thing that's a good point it is harder to just like stumble across music that's not mainstream nowadays yeah i mean i know a lot of people who like it's like you know the only people that do that are the ones that like sit down and actively like dig through forums right, and stuff. Right, yeah. some, some people that's music their thing. music nuts. That's you know, yeah, that's their thing. Nuts. That's their thing. Yeah, and like I, every now and then I'll stumble across a new band. I'm like, man, this is kind of catchy. It's not good, but oh well, you know, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a, like, a, a I don't know if it's a NPR as a whole or I think it might just be Colorado Public Radio. They have an indie station here that's actually really good, and it's it's probably like eighty percent indie rock hit so shit you'd hear on any other station but then another 20 percent is really neat shit i found out for a few bands through there and i was like oh man i learned a, i learned about a new band i like from the fm radio fucking old school right i'm gonna go ahead and pay my taxes with a check hell yeah <laughs> um, i hope somebody's on the line at the rs when they when my tin can on a string rings yeah um no i i stumbled across, i don't know what the fuck i was doing i, I was thinking i was reading an article in rolling stone and, they, and it was about um the lead singer from Cranberry, she she died. She got drunk and drowned in a tub, actually. That was a while ago, right? Yeah, it was a while ago. And there's going to be this tribute band called Bad Wolves, which is a super group, which I thought was funny because they were a super group full of people I'd never fucking heard of before. So they'd all apparently had other groups that did well that I'd never heard of. But they were gonna they were actually going to record um, Zombie with her um, the day she died. Oh, and, I, and so instead they just had the lead singer, which is like this huge buff black dude, like sing sing the song, and you know they did a cover of it, and you know it's a tribute to her. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I listened to the songs. Like, this is pretty cool. I listened to a couple other songs. Like, it is the most overproduced fucking metal ever. Yeah. But you know, it's like so autocorrected and so like layers upon layers upon layers that you know is happening in the sound booth and not like, you know, these guys playing or you know. Like, you listen to um, the Black Crows, and there's, like, 14 fucking people in that band, and uh, there's a reason it sounds like there's fucking a dozen people playing guitars and keyboards and, you know, because they're all, they're all doing it. Yeah, that, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, this has always been true, really, but I, I feel like, and I don't know a lot about this, but I feel like it's now more, um, it's more common to, instead of have the whole band perform in the room and play it at once, everybody oh, yeah. plays their individual yeah. part, and then you yeah. mix it. Um and that's my understanding, but like all the best bands that you listen to, they just get everybody in a sound studio and they do they play the song over and over until they have a good take, and then that's what goes on the album. Yep. But you yeah, can't also some bands you just can't get the sound they want and do that though. Like yeah, and, and I I was always kind of I was kind of floored to like um I'm always kind of side side 
blindsided by how good um, Smashing Pumpkins is because I always just forget about how good they were as a band. And so I was reading up on them and um, found out that like Billy Corgan played most of the bass lines in mm-hmm. a lot of the albums, even though the bass player, I forget her name, but uh, she uh, she played in the live sets because he could just sit down and just bang out the, the bass riff in one or two takes where it took her forever, but she was better at playing live. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of bands operate like that. Like uh, when he's like a uh, nine inch nails for a lot, a lot of stuff is like just Trent Reznor and then he mixes it all. And then when there's a band that tours with him that he plays with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fun to see tool again because it really makes me remember they're very much a studio band. Like when you see oh, tool, yeah. it sounds like you're just listening to a tool CD turned up really fucking loud. And it's, that's not a bad thing, but like, they had a sweet light show and everything, but it's literally just all those guys just standing there. They just they just play and they don't, you know. They're just like, all right, see you later. We played our ten songs, bye, and they're out. Like but, they're not jumping around. They're not no, partying. They're, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, they're not. You know, uh, the singer Maynard, he moved around a little bit. He kept doing this thing where he'd take off his leather coat, throw it on the ground, sing for a little bit, and then he'd fold it up real neat and set it to the side, and then he'd put it back on, and then he'd fold it up, and it was it was it was pretty fun. Yeah. We, but I guess I he never... he never plays anything, so he has nothing else to do. If there's no like during the solos right. and shit, he's just goofing around. Yeah, I have never seen Tool, just to wrap up this little huge tangent we've got on in our taste of music. Um, uh, I've never seen Tool, but I saw Perfect Circle play yeah. right when they became a band. And it was kind of it was kind of a, a, a funny happenstance because we went to go see Nine Inch Nails. Awesome fucking band. Those play live. They were great. Yeah. Um, so, But they uh, Perfect Circle opened for Nine Inch Nails. And for those of you who are not familiar with Perfect Circle, it has a much different sound than Tool. Excuse me, much more melodic. So this band opens. They're playing all these melodic tunes. And the lead singer starts wailing. And of course we can't see him, so we can't see it's um, James uh, Maynard. And we're like, we can't see him at all. And he's just like wailing. We're like, man, this band sounds kind of weird, but that guy can sing. And like, we're kind of making fun of him, but then every night we're kind of grooving to it. And we're like, man, we didn't really know what to think about this band. And then Nine Inch Nails plays, tears the fucking roof off it, and we go home. And on the way home, we hear a song we just heard in the, uh, in the concert, and the radio's like, now here's uh, the new hit off the album, um, you know, whatever, Opaque, or I forget what they're like. Uh, first one's Mirror and Doms. Yeah, Mirror and Doms. Uh, by the new side project, uh, you know, James, you know, from Tool. And we're like, oh, now I kind of uh, feel like Oh, that's why, okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind, of, kind of feel like dicks. Oh. All right, so glad you glad you saw glad you saw Tool, glad you liked it, cool. Um, so like I said, this is the Woods Cast. We don't usually talk as much about music. That's true. But, but um, we are recording this on Monday, uh, the twenty first. Um, Shay, how many beers you had? What's our alcohol inventory? That's uh, actually actually I a thing on here. My first one. All right, I've had like three. I, th- I went straight from work, did some shit, stopped by. I haven't had time to get drunk yet, so. Yeah, I came home. It's nothing like those first three ice cold beers you pound when you kind of half ass it all day at work. Mm-hmm. Um, America. We all, yeah, America. We are in the uh, 1,004th day of the Trump administration. That's why Shay and I drink uh, mainly for that, and also it's delicious. Yeah. Um, Shay, uh, we are 496 days away from Donald Trump solving the North Korea crisis. A um, little update to that. Did you see that uh, Kim Jong-un rode a white horse through some sacred land trying to be a uh, Putin. Uh, no, I did not see that. That yeah. sounds fun. It was, yeah. So they got this very, like very produced video of him riding this horse through this snowy land. And it's, it's very, uh, you know, I don't know. Never ending story. It's good stuff. 
so you put a clock on, uh, put a clock on it until Donald Trump rides a horse through a uh, snowy field somewhere in America. Uh, we have 81 days since our last Q drop, but we're actually going to get Q back. Apparently, have you heard about eight Q? Uh, no. Have you heard? Okay, so so what happened? Everybody knows back in the day that uh, uh actually August first they shut down. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say back in the day, like three yeah. months ago or something. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, a month and a fucking half ago. Yeah. Um, they shut down. They shut down um HN because HN was where all the racists like to go and be racist, and it likes to spawn all of these uh, anti-Semitic shooters. And after three mass shootings in a row, where the uh, I guess you would have to say perpetrator or alleged perpetrator or whatever um posted his intent and some kind of monologue or a uh, you know his um what the fuck you call that shay manifesto thank you manifesto um posted on 8chan they uh all the support behind 8chan uh dropped out like they wouldn't protect it from denial of service attacks it wouldn't give it any security clearances or anything so it was summarily shut down um the um founder of 8chan so the owners of it are these two guys that live in in singapore somewhere the founder of 8chan is a different guy uh brendan something or other yeah trying to find his name he's that's the guy in the wheelchair right yeah he he has some he has some severe disabilities so he's always in a in a um uh it's brent brennan is his last name i uh i had seen an interview with him he seems like a really interesting dude and he feels really bad about everything that's happened (laughs) yeah and and that's 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 basically exactly what i was getting frederick brennan is is his full name and that and and what shay just said is right is is he does feel very bad and he's a very interesting guy in the fact that he created 8chan as a way to like explore the internet and be just like totally free and all the things that 8chan shouldn't have been it turned into and he he lives in um, he lives in uh, I also think he believes in Singapore as well. But he I think he lives down the street from the other guy. Like they yeah. they they are very close to each other. They don't talk or interact anymore. But that's well, my understanding. You, you can look this up. You can look this up on several other um, podcasts and, and websites. Uh, uh, Doomed I think did a real good deep dive on this about where eight chan, how it developed and how um, it basically got taken from uh, Brennan. Um, it was he was bought out of it by this father and son duo, and it's one of the many websites that they run. And so when it, when when all of the support and um, security uh, services were taken from it, and it was just denial of service out of existence. Uh, they've been trying to bring it back up because it's their, it's a big cash cow for them and it's notoriety. Um, the founder, this uh, Frederick Brennan, he is actually pressuring all the security um, software people to not support Acoon. When they try to bring it back up, because he very specifically doesn't want QAnon to get any footing anywhere on the internet. Yeah, he was very upset about how QAnon started on on 8chan and how it all came about, and so he, as the founder of um, 8chan, apparently has some clout with these services. So whenever 8coons like trying to get um, you know security um, uh, backup and software protection, they'll he he'll call him like, hey, you should really let these fuckers just fry. So he is really fighting to keep 8chan from becoming 8coon. Which, for those of you that don't watch a shit ton of anime, Chan is a name for uh, is a common name for a child in in Japan. Kun is apparently for a uh, young man. So this is supposed to be Eight Chan's evolution into a more adult. Oh, uh, okay. Eat shit. This is where racists yeah. go to plan mass shootings. So that that's all that's happening here. Yeah. 
So so at some point you might see something pop up called Acoon, and then uh, Q will put some other drops on there, and then some other people who are very uh, Nazi-aligned uh, will go kill some more innocent people. Yep. That's going to be the breakdown. Yeah. I mean, assuming they can get it up, that shit is so toxic now. Like, I can't imagine anybody would want to have, especially if if there's like that guy is going around and being like, you shouldn't deal with them. Then. So when something goes down, he can say, listen, I asked him not to host the site. Like we've tried. That's you know, yeah. they made yeah. the choice. So he is actively pressuring, pressuring all the, the, um, support, support, um, companies that, w- that they need to not support them. And apparently in the last, like that was announced like the 8th of October. And since then to like yesterday, it's been up and down since then, but they can't keep it up for long. People just keep taking it down, which is ah, cool. Fuck them. Nothing so when you first. say taking it down, is it getting hosted, but they don't have any security, so they're just getting like hacked and shut down, or what? Yeah, exactly. So, so, so what the so the regional HN was basically shut down because they could not. Um, the software companies that provided their internet security uh, stopped providing it to them, so it, they had no protection from denial of service attacks. And you can do that shit with just a couple keystrokes nowadays. So whenever that those protections drop. Then the hackers and and you know uh, internet do-gooders just just you know molest that site until it goes away, and that's what apparently keeps happening. I'll Trust see. me, there's people, out, there's, there's, there's people out there that want to make money. They're going to put this shit up there if they can. Uh, apparently, there is also uh, some crazy people that think Acoon is being run by Q and the NSA working together. That's been a thing for okay. The Acoon thing is new to me because also uh, it just sounds dumb. Um, yeah. But uh, I hate to say that Eight Chan sounds smarter than Acoon, but what the fuck ever. That's the world we live in. Um, yeah, it's been a thing for a while that Q, as a top level security expert, oh that's maybe, right, that's right. Maybe even Donald Trump, uh, the security apparatchiks. Uh, in the government have decided that 8chan is the place that they're going to drop secret intel. Okay. Yes. Um, so I don't know why we had to hack the DNC servers. All that shit should have been on 8chan, right? Yep. Yep. You fucked up, Russia. All right. Uh, so what did I say? 81 days since the last key drop. Uh, we got about a day and a half, maybe two days, until Turkey starts slaughtering the Kurds. That's cool. Thanks, Donnie Dipshit. Yep. Um... For those of you not I just paying saw it. something about how uh, I don't know what the the what is it in a rare one of those some pulling it up on the interwebs right now in rare joint statement U.S. and European lawmakers <laughs> condemn Trump's abandonment of the Kurds. Yes. So basically, what we did is we uh, decided we were going to pull our troops out of the um, northern border border between Turkey and Syria, where the minority uh, the ethnic minority there, the Kurds, have been helping us fight ISIS for the last several years and without our troops there as a deterrent turkey basically said i got this and they rolled in and started killing the kurds because they wanted that land and they've been wanting it for god knows how many years uh they signed a what donald trump called a uh ceasefire which turkey said bullshit we're giving you five days to get your shit out of there and then we're rolling in yeah and um so that was uh last uh Thursday, so I think tomorrow the the pause is up and Turkey's going to do whatever the fuck it wants. A um, couple of fun things. Uh, there was a uh, um, 
RT uh, journalist. His name was uh, something very Russian. I can't pronounce it. But he posed in um, one of our abandoned military bases with a flag that says, come and take it. Yeah, it sounds about right. And I was like, <laughs> if there's anything <laughs> that can I'm encapsulate honestly, like, yeah. Donald Trump's foreign Fuck policy, it's Fuck you, yeah. fucking Russian television news reporter holding up a flag in one of our abandoned bases that says, come and take it. Sweet. It's not even like they're going home. They're just getting sent to another place. All these troops are going to like Iraq or some shit. Like it's not, it's not like they're pulling people home. Well, I mean, we're always going to have troops in that area. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But the fact that you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's footage today. I didn't pull it or want to talk about because I didn't know anything about it. But like, as the uh, armored uh, vehicles are leaving um, northern Syria, the local Kurds are throwing rocks and potatoes at them, just pelting them with potatoes because they're like fuckers, you know? Because you know, yeah, thanks for nothing, dicks. This yeah, is the, this is the second time the American government has said, all right, Kurds, you stand up, we'll back you, and and you'll win your uh, win your freedom of this region. And then we pulled out and said, uh, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we're even bombing our own air bases or our own military installations so that the Turkey, the Turkish forces can't use them when we leave. I mean, yeah, that makes sense, but it's stupid that we have to. That's... I mean, I get the functionality about that, but that also perfectly encapsulates Donald Trump's foreign policy. Yeah. yeah. Or lack thereof, I guess. There's, there's a phrase I like to use called shooting yourself in the dick. Yep. And we're just doing that over and over again. Um, all right, so usually we talk about polls. Nothing's really uh, changed in those. Donald Trump's getting a little bit worse. Um, actually, in all the polls we talk about, the Gallup, 538, and Real Clear Politics, he's taken a sharp dive in the last week. Um, so we got negative uh, 18 in Gallup, negative 13.3 in 538, and negative 12.8 in Real Clear Politics. Um, that's not good. No, yeah. no. I mean, yeah, that's – and I know a lot of that. I think we even said this – Oh, you know what? We did say all this last time, but we weren't able to post it last week. So I can right. say it again. That is generally due to independence being like, all right, fuck this guy, right? Because that's not – he's the, they're not peeling people out from the Republican base. He's still got like a 70%, 80% approval rating with those dipshits. Yeah, no, it, it's 85-90. Yeah, it's yeah. it's actually really absurd. Uh, what, you're see, what you usually see when that kind of shift happens, like you said, is independents are basically just saying, no, this is dumb. This is dumb. Yeah. We're dumb. You know, we're not like this. And, and we talked about this before. Donald Trump is doing a get out the base, mobilize your base election. He's not trying to pick up any more voters in 2020. He's no. trying to get all the, the, the boomers that are scared of brown people to go out and vote just in case another brown person comes over a wall that he hasn't built yet. Um, like there's, there's no, there's no new coalition that's going to happen here. It's going to be a turnout election. Yeah. There's no, um, I love that. Uh, I mean, there's no, I don't, I don't know. He's about, he's going to spend, I think he's already spent $7 million on Facebook's ads this month alone, basically just to scare everybody about how radical the Democrats are. Like if you listen to his speeches, it's nothing about how the Democrats want to take all of your guns. They want to let, um, the EU run the country. They want to take away your, like, it's Oh just, yeah. It's, it's completely insane. It's, it's just this random insane. scare words. Yeah. And, you know, and there's 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 no reason for Donald Trump to need um, advertising to get out a new message for 2020. Like, what the fuck is that message? Yeah. My hands are big. Uh, my I, face. Uh, I don't look like a reverse orange owl. Like, what the fuck is like? What's the message? It's, it's going to be nonstop how shitty the Democrats are because he's not running really on anything other than that. No, not really. I, I don't. Well, because they haven't really gotten anything done. Like a lot of the shit that, yeah, like 
not really. Um, and uh, I that that's I I, I don't know that that's, that seems like his so far that's what it is anyway. It's just oh, like, yeah. Democrats bad be good. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. and, and hopefully whoever the nominee is doesn't end up falling into that trap too. But uh, for yeah. the Democratic side, that's just as dangerous to do it the other way around too. Yeah, we we haven't talked much about impeachment in the last couple of weeks, but nothing really has changed. It's all just they're just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall, and we're going to see what exactly we're going to impeach him for right now. But um, I have a lot of friends, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of people say this too. Like, since the Democrats have decided to impeach Trump, they just handed him the election. And I was like, how do you figure that? Like, his numbers were garbage before this. Yeah. Well, the what the thing that people will always cite is the uh, the Clinton impeachment. And it's like, you know, okay, I get it. That is one data point. But, like, that's a different scenario because uh, when they decided <laughs> to impeach him, public opinion on impeachment just in general was much, much lower. It was like 25 or 30 percent of people approved of it. And then there was an election. I think what the, didn't the they, the the power shifted hands, and before the Republican session ended, they impeached him anyway. Yeah. And it was just all super unpopular. So his, of course, you know, since everything about it was shitty, his popularity went up. The other difference too is that they were impeaching him for lying about getting a blowjob, which is much more relatable than these international crimes of mystery that Trump is running right now. Like that's like it's just not that big of a deal. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, he lied about getting a blowjob. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been done there. that. That's fine. I've, I've been there, done that, dude. Like, you know, so it, it's real stupid. And yeah, no, it's, it'll be, yeah. It's, and honestly, I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand. A lot of people are like, well, if they impeach him, he's just, the Senate's just not going to convict. I'm like, well, yeah, duh. But if they impeach him, they get to go through the whole rigmarole of a trial and present all their findings to the American people. And then when the Republicans don't convict, the Democrats can turn around and say, see, look at all this evidence. And they still ignored it. Yeah. Look how corrupt they are. Put us in power. Like, and I mean, that's, that's the thing that makes sense, like to me. But well, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like the um, the data points we have in the, in the recent past is Nixon and Clinton. Nixon, even the Republicans were like, eh, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, yeah, he's a real dick, but uh, pun intended. Um, you know, like I don't know. And like the public opinion for impeaching Nixon was not there until it was suddenly there, until they suddenly heard him in his own voice say, like, Yeah, we need to take care of this shit. And then everything switched. The Republicans came around, Democrats were already there. Democrats were like, Yeah, this guy's corrupt as shit. And the and the Republicans were like, Holy shit, this guy's corrupt as shit. And then you had the you know, the uh, Friday night massacre where he kept telling his attorney generals to fire the special um uh special investigator and one by one they refused until it came to robert borg and he said sure i'll do it you know because he's just a fucking soulless piece of shit anyway um but yeah like so and then like you said clinton they impeached an extremely popular president about something that the american people didn't give a fucking shit about and it it didn't work out for him um donald trump is not a popular president and people are paying attention to this. And since we've started talking about this on the podcast in like two or three weeks, it's gone from like 43% impeach and remove to 47, 48% don't impeach to 52% impeach and remove. And then the upper 30s for like, you shouldn't impeach him. Like yeah, that's independent yeah. switching. Yeah. And I mean, that's and a lot. I mean, and also there, I think there, I can't remember how it breaks down, but th there's definitely a separation between people who support the inquiry and people who support actually impeaching him. Like, those are two different numbers last time. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've both gone up, but um, I've seen a lot of people use those interchangeably. But there, there are more people who are like, 
well, yeah, if we think he did something wrong, let's look into it. And if nothing, then we won't, you know, they're more, you know, but then there's also, it's close last time I checked. Yeah. Well, and, and also, like you said, going through the inquiry is bad for Donald Trump in an election year because a lot of shit's going to come out. And then once the um, uh, democratically controlled House kicks it over to the Senate, everybody kind of thought that McConnell would just be like, yeah, fuck it, fuck off. I mean, he did it with a, a Supreme Court nomination. Why wouldn't he do it with this, right? Yeah. But he's even said that he feels that the Constitution requires him to at least open the trial and go through the motions of the trial. Um, there have, has been some talk about him passing a letter around, having Republicans sign a letter saying they would, uh, you know, sign a letter, read, swear fealty to Donald Trump. No, that wasn't a- that Lindsey Graham. Was it? Oh, you're right. You're I think right, that's right. Lindsey Graham. Mitch McConnell, is, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got, I, I'm getting my story yeah. wrong because Mitch McConnell didn't like the idea of Lindsey Graham passing yes. around a letter yeah. where people would swear, uh, would sign that they would not vote to impeach Donald Trump so yeah. that they, he could somehow present this and, and short circuit a trial in the Senate. But because, if you're, because that has any legal weight at all. Exactly. Because, because that's how that works. <laughs> I feel like that's just Mitch McConnell. Like, well, I don't need this to look any dumber than it is. Please don't. You fucking yeah. Ron, are well, you fucking kidding me? And we've we've we talked Although about. If I get to watch Rudy Giuliani defend him in a trial. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, and, and we I think a, a lot of people have said, and I agree that they should have the trial late in the evening after Rudy Giuliani has had several vodka gimlets and just really ready ready to roll. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. He's just fucking sweating vodka. Or I mean, really it. early in the morning when the Irish coffees are still oh, yeah. rolling, but just yeah. not in the not like middle of the day when he's between buzzes. Yeah, but to follow your point up, you're exactly right. That has no legal consequence. And what you're, what I've been hearing lately is that the Republican Party wants to push the talking point that the Democrats aren't being fair in their investigation because they haven't let the Republicans also question who they're questioning and cross-examine and all this bullshit. And that's what not how asking, an investigation works. Exactly. That's how a trial works. When you get to the Senate, you get your time to do that shit. But while the House investigates, you don't get to – I mean – yeah, what what they're asking for, and the letter that the um, that Donald Trump's uh, lawyer sent, uh, I don't know who the fuck he sent it to. Maybe he just released it to the press. But it was a letter that basically said like we're not going to cooperate because we don't get these provisions under what the Democratic um, House members are doing. And they were all things that you get under a trial, not an investigation. And I just kept thinking about like if you're if you are selling meth, if you're doing something illegal like selling meth, and the cops kick in your door. The letter Trump's uh, lawyer sent the House Democrats basically said like that the guy who was sitting on the couch playing Grand Theft Auto when the cops kicked his door in would then get to stop the investigation and, like cross examination like like ask the detectives questions like yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, wait 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 who were your yeah. sources buddy yeah. Well, yeah, while you're looking through my bedroom I'm gonna go check out what's in your car you know like, <laughs> <what the fuck? laughs> yeah like, that's not how that works um, yeah so that's all done. Uh, but we'll talk more about that as more shit, uh, I guess, gets uh, tossed up and uh, actually sticks to the wall. Um, have you read this letter that Trump oh, sent? Oh, um, it's so weird. Uh, I, I, I honestly thought it was fake, too. I was like, that's really strange. Yeah, I, I want to read it for those of you who have not who have not read this. This was a letter that uh, our, our, our president, leader of the free world, commander-in-chief, the sitting poets, Wrote to um, the uh, oh I guess he calls him is he the yeah president of the Republic of Turkey I, I didn't want to get his name wrong uh, this was written to Erdogan the president of Turkey it starts out His Excellency 
and says, Dear Mr. President, uh, let's work out a deal! Exclamation point. You don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people, and I don't want to be responsible for de uh, destroying the Turkish economy. And I will! I've uh, already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Bruson. I don't, I don't know what that's a reference to. I have worked hard to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Mazaloon is willing to negotiate with you, and he is willing to make concessions that they would never have made in the past. I, I'm sorry, this is a bad print. I'm, try, I'm having trouble reading. Uh, never make concessions they made in the past. I am confident. Uh, I am confidentially enclosing a copy of this letter to me just received. History will look upon you favorably if you will get this done in right and humane way. Uh, it will look upon you forever as as the devil if good things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool! Exclamation point. I will call you later. That is a direct reading of a letter the sitting POTUS sent to a president of Turkey. It's crazy nuts. Um, crazy also, beans, dude. Also, Shay, I believe this is the first actual honest to God 100% uh, communique that the president wrote himself. Probably, yeah. That sounds like the way he speaks. Yeah, and it's, pro it's probably been edited, though, at some point. Like, someone had to have put commas and shit in there. Otherwise, <laughs> there's no way that it hits everything about that man as a run-on sentence. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but so this went to er Erdogan. Uh, Erdogan's people apparently promptly threw it in the trash. Uh, we then signed what we talked about earlier. We signed a pause to let the, Cur uh, the Kurds evacuate the area. Um, and then after that, which is like tomorrow, the day after, it's uh, game on. Um, I know this is an audio medium, but those of you who don't have the video I have are not watching my brother open a beer with a pair of pliers. I can't find my bottle opener. <laughs> if it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, any, everybody, including Lindsey Graham, is against all the shit in Syria. But I had to read that letter because it's so fucking right on Trump. Yep. Have you seen the one that they uh, they had redone of uh, Kennedy sending something to Gorbachev over the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis? <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, so somebody... Uh, um, redid. I didn't have this. Uh, I didn't have this up. But yeah, somebody redid uh, the letter that um, John F. Kennedy sent to um, Khrushchev over the um, Cuban Missile Crisis, where we basically lost our shit and and stuff was gonna get done. Uh, here you. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Oh God damn it! Pop ups. Stop. Quit. This is riveting yeah, radio. I well, I, I, I'm like, I'm stuck with like a bunch of like links that popped up and I'm trying to no, get no, there. No, no, no. Whatever. Eat, eat shit. All right. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, dear Premier uh, Khrushchev, uh, don't be a dick, okay? Get <laughs> your missiles out of Cuba. Everybody will say, yay, Khrushchev, you're the best. But if you don't, everybody will be like, what an asshole. And call you garbage. <laughs> And call and call your garbage country the Soviet uh, Bunyan. <laughs> you really busted. <laughs> you really busted my nuts here. Give you a jingle later. Hugs, John F. Kennedy. <laughs> Give you a jingle later. Hugs, John. F. <laughs> yeah. So like that. That's been going around. Uh, yeah. Um. 
right. So the next thing that I picked up that really annoyed the fuck out of me. Have you seen Moody Analytics prediction for the 2020 race? You've probably seen an article about this. Maybe. Uh, it probably started like a uh, site that has predicted the last 70 elections predicts Donald Trump will win 2020. Yeah. It was probably something like that. And what yeah, they're no, talking I, no, I haven't seen that, no. Okay. Uh, what they're talking about is Moody Analytics. And Moody yeah. Analytics is another one of these websites or, or think tanks or dickholes. I don't know what the hell they are, really. But they uh, always throw out their predictions, and they do it by a – uh, kind of a ground game, state to state prediction based on economic and um, consumer confidence things. Like that's basically how they run their shit. Their shit. And they have uh, predicted that Donald Trump will win the 2020 handily. And um, the reason I bring this up is I saw this article everywhere. Everybody was sharing it, and they're right. Moody Analytics has predicted the presidential outcome for the last 70 some years. Except the time they didn't, which is which was la- which was 2016, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I sent an email out to a couple like places. I was like, hey, I fixed your uh, title. Here it is. Um, you know, prediction people who were wrong, just like everybody else, predicts Donald Trump wins 2020. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like if you read these articles, everywhere everywhere in the article it says somewhere. Uh, um, somewhere it says like you know they uh, were right about everything except 2016. It's like god damn it. And uh, so if you looked at Moody's 2020 prediction, it was uh, the reason they're wrong is because they predict um the actual electoral college for everybody. Yeah. So in 2016 they said Hillary Clinton would get 332 electoral votes to uh Donald Trump's 206, and so that didn't happen. So they're wrong. Whereas 538, who is not wrong, they were the day of the election. I think it was 71%. Let me bring it up real quick. Yeah. yeah. 71.4 to 28.6. Yeah. That's not wrong. No. Well, that's the thing. I think at their lowest, 538 had him at, uh, like, he had Trump at like 30 or something, which is not no chance. Yeah, and it was even on the. I remember reading this, and it was on the condition of like, but if this, this, and this happens, his sh- shit goes way up, and then like dominoes, it was like boom, boom, boom. Ah, oh, fuck, you know. Um, I, one of the reasons I like their podcast so much is because uh, everybody on that podcast is fairly congenial and nice, but like Nate Silver's real bad about being like, you know, people don't think this is good polling because they're stupid and they don't understand how polls work, and it's it really makes me laugh. Well, I have to imagine he is walking around with the biggest chip on his shoulder from 2016. Oh, oh I'm sure. I'm sure. Because, like, I think I've even listened to the one where he said, like, <laughs> no, actually, this is what happened. But nobody fucking listens to me, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so this Moody Analytics is getting all this all this press right now because they said, again, that Donald Trump was going to, you know, they said that Donald Trump was going to win 2020. And they were no more accurate than anybody fucking else was in 2016. But the fact that they do the like yay or nays and not a percentage like 538 does is why they're wrong. Like it's why it's why you know you're going just going all in. You know it's you're flipping a coin at that point. You know. Man, you know, there's there's one thing that I just I don't think you can quantify in polls, and I'm really curious about how it affects it. And that is the fact of the well, he's never done this before. Let's give it a shot. And by the time next election rolls around, you got four years of example what kind of president he is. Yeah. And I just I don't know how you quantify that. I'm sure. Well, I, sure I think. You could, but. I think what we're doing, we're seeing that being quantified as this 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 slow move from the middle to not supporting him. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, the, 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 the softness of his numbers in everybody except the Republican Party shows that the people who are like, ah, eh, fuck it, maybe he'll shake some things up. Those people aren't like, well, let's let him shake things up for another four years and uh, yeah. see how that works out. But even this Moody, and like like you were just saying, 538 after the election was like, listen, we told you that he had a 28% chance to win and this, this, and this had to happen, and they did. Like, there you go. Like, we're not wrong. We just, you know, that was the unlikely scenario. Yep. The outlier, if you will. Yeah. I mean, quantum mechanics says that, like, if you toss a ball in the air, there's this unbelievably small per, uh, percentage of probability it won't come back down, right? Like, the fact that that's, like, goddamn one gazillionth of a percent doesn't matter. It mean, it's not there. It just means that all the times you've thrown a ball up, you were on the, the better end of that stick. Yeah, and, uh, oh, man, I wonder what that looks like. Does that mean, like, maybe, well, you've just thrown a ball and it'll slip through a crack in reality, or a plane crashed into it? That's basically what's happening. Nice. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, and 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 uh, this Moody Analytics, if you read these articles, not only does it say somewhere in the article they were historically correct, except for 2016, which should have been what you fucking led with. Um, yeah. Not only does it say that, but it also says that, like, barring uh, unprecedented or unpredictable turnout, like, oh, so you don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah I, I, I feel like I feel like turnout's going to be pretty hot this election. I just got a feeling. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I just can't imagine that no matter. I mean, I mean, I guess maybe if it's Joe Biden, but whatever. That would be that would be a damper on turnout. But I think the Democratic Party, the seventy-eight thousand people that were missed in. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and uh, Michigan are not going to be just sitting around like, eh, everybody else has got this. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. All right, I'm going to take, you need to take a break. I'm going to take a sure a quick break, and then we'll talk about how uh, Donald Trump picked and then unpicked his uh, own resort for uh, the G7, which Sweet. is totally okay. Which is oh, totally okay. That phony emollients clause, man. Right, it's funny. All right, everybody, we're back. Hope you enjoyed our commercial break. Please support our sponsors. Yep. Um, I have a fresh pitcher of beer, so I'm a happy boy. She's got a fresh beer. Yep. Um, so like we talked about before we uh, had to go take a tinkle break, Donald Trump apparently decided it was pretty cool to pick his own resort for the G7 in 2020. Shockingly, nobody else agreed with him. Like, not even Republicans. No. And that was the thing. is like he picked it. And this is, like, first of all, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is a clear violation of what is known as the Emoluments Clause in the Constitution. Article 1, Section 9, Clause 8. No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person shall hold any office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any payment, emolument, office, or title of any kind whatsoever from any king, prince, or foreign state. A lot of that's about, you know, nobility bestowing, but it just means you can't use your office or enrich yourself in the office of presidency or any. There's actually one, a different one for Congress, I think. I think there's one for Congress and presidency. But yeah, Donald Trump didn't think that applied to him, and he uh, decided. Uh, but this is funny because Mick Mulvaney went out and apparently he went and did a presser that was really great. Now this was a corruption double tap because in this, uh, in this one presser he said that. Uh, we always do quid pro quos with other countries, uh, just get over it, and then said that after a year of careful study, they have decided to use Donald Trump's property for the G7. And that was all within like three days of each other. 
No, that was the same press conference. Was that the same press conference? Yeah, it was the same press Holy conference. Holy shit. I didn't realize that. That's nuts. Yeah. Later, he went back and uh, um, said, like, later Mulvaney said, like, okay, we are not, okay. For those of you not paying attention at home or have lived under a rock, about three days later, Donald Trump reversed his thing, uh, said he would not do it, blamed anger Democrats, and and just today he called the emoluments clause of the Constitution phony. So we have reached the Constitution is fake news part of the presidency. Yes, that's absolutely. Good. Which is fantastic. That's always um, fantastic. Yeah, that I mean that that's just one of those things because like I know the, like the White House response was something to the effect of like, well, no, we're just going to host it there. The president's not going to make any money off of it. So, you know, and it's like, all right, guys, come on, like really, like you're going to tell me that there's nowhere else to have like the one place you knew would piss people off you, that like is where really come on. I I, I feel like that was done on his part specifically to piss off Democrats. And then he didn't think he'd get any blowback from the Republican side of things. And then when he did, he was like, fuck, he did. He, he definitely did. And he got, um, some of the, and apparently what he did is he called into a meeting of house, uh, house and Senate Republicans. I believe I have to look it up. It's on the New York Times. It's on uh, New York times had an article about it. But apparently, uh, a couple of days after he made this decision, and it was announced by Mulvaney, President Trump called into the meeting, and they basically said, like, hey, uh, you, you don't, we don't have your back on this. Like, we don't need this. We, you, you know, we, we've got enough shit up in the air right now. We don't need to be defending you on this. And Trump was blindsided by the lack, excuse me, of Republican support. Yeah, like, well, I mean, this is just, like, basic fish shit. Even if they were, like, very <laughs> bottom-level politics— even if you could guarantee there was not going to be any money made, the optics are so fucking bad. Right. You've well, just, you have just spent the last two weeks trying to investigate one of your political opponents for enriching themselves with political positions, and you're going to turn around and do that? Like, fuck you. Oh, of course. And and uh, the New York Times has also reported just today that apparently the White House had, had come up with this elaborate scheme to pay for all of the costs at Doral with private donations. So yes, oh. tax dollars would not go directly from the treasury to Donald Trump's business, therefore in yeah. his pocket. But then the white house would just instead arrange other people to give Donald Trump money. Uh, I just, I don't understand why anyone, I don't see how that's different, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't understand how you could like, I am not a political expert. I, work in customer service and read about politics and drink and talk about it. But if Donald Trump had called me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Should I do it? I would have been like, no, that's not a good idea for like a million reasons. Like, no, like just, you know, like, no, the top three a- are optics, optics, and optics, 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 optics. Like, and they're like, well, you know, I'm going to provide paperwork that says I'm not making any money. doesn't matter. Nobody's going to believe you. Like, well, just, but, like, and but I, that's I, the thing is like, no matter how this shakes out, he would make money. Yeah, whether, no. whether, even if yeah. he didn't make any money up front, bringing all those world leaders to one of his properties in the future would somehow bring him money. Like, no, 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 you're, you're missing the point. If what, what would be a like if we took money directly out of the treasury to pay for Donald Trump to stay at Doral as a president, that would be such a conflict of interest it would be scary. Yeah. But what the White House had planned to do was have uh, private donors, you know, because Donald Trump is not running out of uh, big pocket people who want to throw him money. Um, like I've said before on this podcast, I just need to spend the time to drill down on the, the third quarter um, 
fundraising from all the candidates because I think the top four Democrats, you know, may uh, raise about like 100, 120 million dollars, and Donald Trump himself raised 120 million, 25 million dollars. I want to drill down and see how how many donations per candidate that was. So I guarantee Donald Trump was coming from far fewer donations. You know, it's a lot oh of, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of super PACs are throwing shit at him. So there would be no trouble coming up with that money, and it would go to Doral, which then goes to Trump. Like, no matter how you shake this down, Trump would make money from having it at Doral. Unless they somehow decided just to give everybody, um, unless he said he was going to lose money. Like, if he doesn't do that, like, if he signed a paper or there was some kind of thing that said that everybody who stayed at Doral that week stayed free. Like, that's the only way this would be acceptable. But still... That also doesn't doesn't bring up the fact that that would be a huge publicity boom for yep. that property, and it's and you would um and it would take you all of thirty minutes to walk into any um advertising agency in New York and be like, how much would you charge for this type of advertising? And they'd be like, boom, thirty million dollars, whatever, yeah, you know, like, like yeah, like they could they could slap a price tag on that for you in thirty minutes. And and that that's that's the other point. Like, not only is money going to be funneled to a property that, despite Donald Trump's best efforts to just lie to his fucking supporters, he still gets money from. Like he said, he did not divest from any of this. He just gave it over to some dumb one and some dumb two. And that you know, if they're not in constant daily contact, you know, I'll eat your fucking shoes. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Like th- it's such a paper thin layer of like deniability. That yeah, he's gonna make money. He would have made money off that deal, regardless. And now he just looks like a cuck because it took him what forty hours to be like, okay, I guess I won't. No, I mean I don't know, dude. I remember when Obama held the G7 summit at his private resort, don't you? I just googled that. That mm-hmm. sounds made up. Oh, that's right. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. Did not happen. Didn't happen. Did not happen. But to follow Man, up. Man, remember and to think they were worried about old Jimmy Carter having a peanut farm. <laughs> Can you imagine them doing the G? The G what, Donald, yeah. What would it have been like the G four or five then? Like I don't, yeah, I don't I know if a lot of those countries even existed now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like old uh, Jimmy Carter holding the G four in uh, his peanut farm. Yep. Well, the other thing is uh, you'll see this a lot. I, I'm sure you have. Is that there's this breakdown of like Donald Trump before and after, like how much he was worth before he he became president, how much he's worth right now. And he's lost like a billion and a half dollars. Uh, the Clintons, when they left office to when they're now. Uh, the uh, the Obamas, when they came into office to where they are now. And of course, the Obamas and the Clintons have made a bunch of money. Now, I've actually had personal friends send me that that like little meme. And I've sent it back to them with a breakdown of how the Obamas made. I think it's $60 million at this point. Or maybe $100 million. Because like while Barack Obama was president, he had three best-selling books. Yeah. And his and his uh his um salary is like another you know three or four million dollars. Like it all adds up like almost perfectly. And the last thing is when he got out of office, they got like a sixty million dollar front for a Netflix Netflix show and some book deal. Like they got a, a huge chunk of cash. To, oh, that's right. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, the, the the Michelle and Barack Obama together were, were fronted a huge chunk of cash. I, I want to say it was $60 million. I could be wrong, but it was a huge amount to do, like, several books and, like, some, some shit. Um, and the Clintons, 
you know, Bill Clinton did have a obscenely high speaking fee. Like, I'm not going to defend that, but it's not my fault that nobody wants to listen to Donald. Nobody is going to pay Donald Trump to speak after he's in office. I mean, you know what? If you're going to talk about how corrupt it is that uh, Bill Clinton had a speaking fees, that's that beautiful free market the Republicans love so much. People were willing to pay for it, so he charged it. Right. It's like, not our fault that nobody wanted to talk to George uh, W. Bush. Yeah. And he, ended up, he, he ended up having to do portraits of his feet or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. he, took the, he took the global economy, drove it right into the shitter, and destabilized the other third of the world. Uh, please tell us about leadership. Yeah, let us know how you did all of that. Yeah. Actually, it had been a pretty quick speech. Like, well, I, uh, I just kind of got this guy, to Dick Cheney. He did all of it, so I, I just got to go shoot stuff. Go ask him. Yeah, go yeah, ask go what ask Dick Cheney him. did. Right, so that was a flash in the pan. Uh, we kind of glossed over the fact that uh, Mick, Mitch, uh, Mick Mulvaney, I always wanted to call him Mitch, Mick yeah. Mulvaney admitted very clearly that the uh, United States government does do quid, quid pro quos. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm like 11th beer here. Um, and he just kind of threw that out there, and then the um, he told everybody to get over it. And then promptly the Trump campaign started selling Get Over It t-shirts for $30. Yes, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, that you is know, how I, democracy works. I honestly, like, it's so funny, too, because if you're in, it's so weird. Like, if you're going to split hairs about it, like, you could make the argument that he was talking about, like, there are absolutely interests times when the United States has a quid pro quo when it's in the national interest, when it's better for the country as a whole. And I bet that's what he meant. Interesting, Shay. He's a little fucking dumb because it's different. Like, that's Are you a big saying difference. that there's a difference between maybe negotiating a quid pro quo for a better situation in Syria? Hey, than, man, get rid of your nukes and we'll lift sanctions. Or kind of negotiating one for, I don't know, dirt on your perceived political opponent. Yeah, that's different. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, different. And let, me even, jo- let me jot that down real quick. Yeah, right. Did you see where it went from like three to two reasons? And then Chris yeah, Wallace yeah. like, what happened to that other reason? <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, well. And I love it because he's like, well, I didn't say that. All right, roll tape, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to well, the tape. Also, well, also, like in, in his in his bullshit explanation, Mulvaney here, he goes, yeah, we do this all the time. Like sometimes we'll do this or that. And the, and the, the reporter's like, that's a quid pro quo. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, but it's, it, wait a minute, it's for the country though. He's like, yeah, yeah that, okay, so we'll say that one's good. Why does the one for Donald Trump work? And they're like, I don't know, freedom? Like, what? Well, I mean, he just, yeah, like, freedom. fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, he also looks just like the Nazi from the end of Raiders that has oh, his face. Oh, okay. So, for those of you that don't aren't Facebook friends with Shay and I, uh, I, I guess become Facebook friends with Shay and I, but Shay shared. Did you make that, or did you find that somewhere? No, I found it. That, okay. That, uh, that was that some was solid. Shay found – That was Shay, mining. Shay pointed out that the small Nazi from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the guy that grabs the hot uh, staff head, um, looks exactly like Mick Mulvaney, and put side to side, I can't unsee that shit. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And the thing is, is the picture is really pixelated, so it doesn't look as good. When I was watching him on Chris Wallace, I was like, damn, I can't unsee it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uncanny. And it makes you think that maybe when they open the Ark of Impeachment, he, uh, Mick Mulvaney, will melt. <laughs> I love the idea of impeachment being like a big ceremony where they bring an ornate box in and open it up. <laughs> <laughs> ah! There's fucking somebody, ghosts and shit flying some, around everywhere. Yeah, somebody's got to put a staff up on the speaker's seat, and then like when the sun shines right through it, it just... 
Yeah. No, that's fine that's with fantastic. me. Uh, ta, 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 ta. All right. So we've already talked about today. Donald Trump said, and I quote, I'm dealing with this phony emoluments clause. So we have reached the the Constitution is fake news part of the presidency. I can't repeat that enough. It's yeah, that's hilarious. Like, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand what he could mean by, but like, I don't, like he's, he's got to, I, I mean, I'm going to assume he knows it is actually a thing because he's talked to uh, a lot of lawyers about it. A lot of so people like, have talked. Okay, this is my so like, take. What, what, why did he choose that word? That's just so weird. Uh, maybe he means the accusation is phony. I don't fucking know. My take is that, like you said, he has had a lot of lawyers tell him you can't do this because of the emoluments clause. And he heard, wah, 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 you can't do this. So he has no fucking idea what the emoluments clause is, means, or where it is in the Constitution. He was just told by somebody he doesn't respect, you can't do this. Yeah, that's true. That's probably He was told by some lawyer um, that you can't do this. And he just he's like, all right, I'm done, whatever, whatever this is. And so he walks out and says this phony emoluments clause. And so now all of his supporters go, well, it's phony. Like, it's not real. Yeah. The Democrats made it up. And yeah. so now the rest of us have to explain to all of the knuckle dragging, mouth breathing, um, hooting people that go to his rallies that, yes, it is a thing. It's in the Constitution. Reading is fundamental for fuck's sake. And that will be our uphill climb until he's impeached. Yeah, I, I mean, I really do expect him to be, he'll get impeached in the House. It'll go to the Senate. It'll get fucking. It'll all it'll be really messy. And there'll be a bunch of stupid shit yeah. said by both sides, and then the election will play out how it plays out. Yeah, I just can't imagine running for presidency while you are just being daily just torn apart in the Senate. I just can't imagine that. I, I can't imagine that's a good campaign. Like everybody likes to say that he loves the fight. But I don't think that's a fight he loves. Like, it's I don't think he gets he's gonna get enough. Uh, I, I think he likes to fight. He doesn't like to defend himself. Those are two different things. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's like, very, he, that's very... like he loves to be on the attack. He doesn't have a problem with that. But when you start coming at him with shit, he shuts down. Like, like that's and I, I think that's the the key thing there because then he's got to just you know he's such a spur of the moment type <laughs> person. If you put him on put him in a situation where he has to think back and explain what he's why he's done something, he fucking can't because he doesn't think that way. Right. That, that brings up another thing that I, I would like to say. It's just kind of a non sucker. Like when when we talked about this Ukraine call in the press, there's all, there's this, you know, this the quid pro quo that everybody's worried about. And he's going to be impeached for almost certainly. Um, but he was speaking with the president of the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And one of the press, uh you know, one of the reporters there said, uh, Mr. President, and like asked him a question, said, what, you know, he said, what did you, what did you want President Zelensky to do with respect to Joe Biden based on, you know, what you say is not a quid pro quo, but then what did you want him to do? Like, what, what, what did you expect from him as far as investigating Joe Biden? And Donald Trump had apparently felt like he'd was done with this question or didn't want to answer it. And he goes, are you talking to me? Like perfect fucking, uh, uh, good fellows. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's he said, awesome. He's talking to me. And the, the, um, the reporter's like, uh, yes, sir. I was just, you know, as a follow up, what did you want him specifically to do? And Trump went on. It's like, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? I've got the president of the Netherlands right here. Ask him a question. Yeah. Ask him a question. Ask him a question. 
And the whole time, the reporter's trying to be very polite. He's like, well, I, I will ask him a question, sir, but, like, Mr. President, what did you specifically want, you know, uh, President Zelensky to do? And, you know, it, and the, you know, Trump just talked over and blathered for a couple minutes, and then the, then people started asking the president of um, the Netherlands a question. And I feel like, like you say, Trump is not good at being attacked or defending himself. And I think that that's where people need to just say, all right, fuck it. You're the president of the United States. You don't treat the office with any type of respect, neither do I. Because, like, me personally would have been like, all right, all right, hey, well, asshole, I don't work for you. Yeah. I will ask who I want to ask a question, when I want to ask a question. I work for CNN, and by their mandate, I get to decide who I ask what. If I want yeah. to sit at this chair and play Words with Friends for the next 40 minutes, I will. Right now, I'm asking you a fucking question. <laughs> and and you'd be probably <laughs> escorted out of the room. It would be amazing. And, but and, and if and when you answer, I'll ask the president of the Netherlands a question. Now, that would be a Justin Woods answer, and that would be the last time Justin Woods would be allowed an oppressor. <laughs> but, but what the what that what that um, reporter could have said very politely was like, oh, excuse me, Mr. President, with all due respect, I don't work for you. I work for uh, my news organization, and they give me the latitude to ask who I want to ask a question, when I want to ask a question. And right now, I'm asking you the question: What exactly did you expect from? Da-da-da-da. This idea that Donald Trump can just dictate who gets, you know, like who gets questions and what—that that's not his purview. Like that's not how it works. And he needs to be reminded of that. Like, bluntly, if you have to. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, just fucking today, they, they uh, because that this Mick Mulvaney interview we talked about went so badly, he's talking about just disbanding the White House press corps. <laughs> I would love to see that. Man, I, I got nothing to hide, but I don't want anyone talking to y'all, so no more press conferences or press corps. What, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Man, honestly, that would be a great thing in the sh- in, in the long term because then that gives whoever runs against like, listen, I'm going to restore integrity to democracy and bring it back to press briefings and bring it back to press corps, not because this guy's an asshole. Well, actually, you could do it like during the campaign, just have yeah. the Bernie the Bernie Sanders press corps or whatever, whoever's whoever ends up getting the nomination, just like just reinstating it. Yeah, and there you go, and guys. And even build like a little mock stage right outside the White House and just have, do do one every now and then just to fuck with them, you know? Yeah, be awesome. Yeah. No, that's totally what we're going to do. Um, speaking of stupid shit that the uh, president has done lately, and I know you and I talked about this a little bit on the Facey Spaces and the My Books, but Trump lawyers have threatened to sue CNN over their apparent, uh, uh, their apparent bias based on some Project Veritas videos. Oh, that shit is so good. What and is I, that fucking chode's name? Uh, um, James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe, that's it. I can't be more for this. Yeah, because, I mean, that opens up every other news organization to slant uh, legal action. And, I mean, exactly. like, the first thing that would happen if that went through is people just start suing the shit out of Fox News. Now, this is already actually happening to an extent, Shay, because, I mean, right now the parents of Seth Rich, you, are you familiar mm-hmm. with that guy? Yeah. That, uh, for those of you listening at home that uh, don't eat news the way Shay and I do, uh, Seth Rich was a uh, DNC staffer who was uh, murdered in an apparent botched robbery. Um a little bit before it came, uh, the whole Clinton server DNC uh, hack happened, um, the conspiracy theory that was pushed almost entirely by Russian propaganda was that Seth Rich was the source to WikiLeaks, and that's why the Clintons had him murdered. Yes. That was pushed almost entirely by 
Russian bots, picked up almost entirely by conservative media. Um, one most prominent person to push that was Sean Hannity. Yeah. The parents of Seth, the, he went as far, the, the parents of Seth Rich went as far as to ask Sean Hannity to, and I quote, shut the fuck up, uh, or they would sue. And he went on, he, uh, Fox News had to retract a couple stories. Sean Hannity he said he would stop talking about it on his show. Uh, the parents have since, uh, Sean Hannity has made some passing references to it. And the parents of Seth Rich are suing Fox News again. Like, that's an active lawsuit right now. That's so, just, I didn't know about the second yes. suit. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I, I, they, they have reinitiated the same suit, I think. Oh, okay. Is the okay. second suit. Um, it's not like they sued and lost and sued again. Like, they are just continuing the suit. Um, uh, that would just be one of the thousand things you could sue Sean Hannity for. That I know off the top of my head. Um, like you don't want to get into this business. I just, I just don't under, okay. So like, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm overthinking it. That's not what this is about, but like, okay. So you send in an undercover, uh, you're talking about Project Veritas. Yes. You send in an undercover person into a network and you show that network owner has bias. That would, I mean, the, it, I, I guess the problem I have with that is it's like, all right, well, cool, uh, James O'Keefe, are you going to go go sit in on a Fox News board meeting and see what they have to say about the Democrat? Like, do you really expect me to believe anyone that owns any cable news network whose which goal is to sell ad space between their shows is going to be unbiased? That's ridiculous. Like, well, how is this supposed to be a surprise to anybody? You also have a great point that Sean, um, James O'Keefe, who is a convicted felon, by the way, let's be very clear. Yeah. Project Veritas has a very rich history of producing videos that are very damning in only one direction to Democrats and those on the left. Yeah. And then after the initial news breaks and everybody has a collective gasp, three weeks later when the full video is released, it's found that he has edited it completely dishonestly. Yeah. And everybody goes, what a dick. This process has... Um, Repeated several times, it's always a big splash and nothing. The only real um, outcome of his uh, stupid-ass videos was uh, the Acorn video scared Congress enough to defund a uh, organization that helped uh, low-income people register to vote. So, oh, awesome. yep, I do remember that. Yep, yeah, score um, as hat. What did he get? Uh, what was his conviction for? He was trying. If I'm, I want to, I want to get this as, as close as I can to the facts. If I'm not mistaken, he was trying. He and some associates under false pretenses were trying to enter a sitting congresswoman's um, office and bug her phones. Oh, that's and they were caught shit. doing that. Yeah, they were caught doing that. They were caught with uh, fake IDs and shit like that. So that's what he uh, was. Uh, he is a convicted felon for, and. This latest thing is nothing but the same. There are a lot of videos. It was not an undercover person. He actually had a, a contractor who was contracted with CNN, not a direct CNN employee, who uh, w- uh, recorded some of the 9 a.m. like rundown calls. And if you listen to him, it's it's just like, hey, uh, right now the big focus needs to be on how the momentum is shifting towards impeachment. Like that was the big takeaway from one of the videos. The other one is like um, – the other thing that that Veritas does a lot is because they're in a state that has one party consent, meaning you don't have to tell the other party you're recording them. 
he records a lot at bars after he's gotten the workers drunk. Oh. So so what you'll hear in these videos, if you listen to them, is a lot of people, there's a lot of background noise, a lot of clinking and stuff, because they're at a bar, and the person he's talking to has had a few. And the quotes generally run like, oh yeah, Mark Zucker, or Zucker, they'll say Zucker, which refers to Mark Zucker, the uh, head of CNN. He's like, oh yeah, he fucking hates Trump. He hated him since they worked together on The Apprentice. Hates that fucking guy. And that's clipped. Like, uh, one drunk guy giving hearsay evidence of, like, how his boss doesn't like the president. We have over 38 episodes of us with that type of fucking thing. Like, me drunk yeah. and you drunk talking about how we don't like the president. I mean, yeah. it's not hard to find fucking people on film going, yeah, Donald Trump sucks. Like, he's, he's, he's no good. He's not. He's, he's bad. He's not good at this job. Yeah, he's not doing great. Yeah. So that was their big, like, huzzah. And that's how Donald Trump wants to sue CNN. And please fucking do it. Please fucking do it. Man, but of I... course, but of course, all they do is like write these stupid letters to release to the press. They're like, we're gonna threaten to suit. No, you're not. You're not doing shit. Yeah, you're not doing shit. Now that yeah, I, God, those fucking some of those old Veritas videos are so fucking stupid. Do you know I what just... the biggest? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just I always forget about that guy, and he always just he pops up every few years. I'm like, oh yeah, this fucking douchebag. And I feel like he pops up, makes enough money to go quiet for a little while, and then he's out. And then he comes back with some other stupid scheme. You are exactly right. Because the people that fund him are the same people. They're like the Cook Brothers, Foster Freeze. They're the same people that fund um, Dave Rubin's bullshit. Um, The the same people that fund Dave Rubin's bullshit. The same people that fund Benjamin Beer's bullshit. The same people that fund Turning Point USA's bullshit. Like, he pops up often enough to stay relevant so that he can get these donations. And none of it goes anywhere. Like, Acorn was probably his biggest score, and all he did was take away funding to register people to vote. Now, I thought Republicans liked democracy. I thought they well, they, they like democracy, but if you let too many people vote, it's not good for them. Exactly. So they don't want too much democracy. Exactly. And we've talked about that many times on the podcast because if uh, Republican politics, more or more specifically conservative politics, were so star-spangled awesome, you would think you would just win hands down every time on your ideas. But instead, you do shit like in Georgia where you require everybody to have an ID – and you can only get an ID from a DMV, and then you shut down 75% of the DMVs that are in African American neighborhoods. And then, well, uh, the uh, when they did it in South Carolina, the Supreme Court said it targeted uh, minorities and the poor with surgical precision. Oh snap! Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what's wrong with it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that was his big score, but I don't know. He pops up every now and then. He's such a little shit. It's funny. Um, speaking of lawsuits, our boy uh, Alex Jones is looking down the barrel of a gun right now. How's he doing? Uh, oh, he is uh, – I listen to him daily. I listen to podcasts about him. He is unraveling at record pace. It's hilarious. But what I was bringing up is that um, a Sandy Hook lawsuit um, was just awarded um, – one of the Sandy Hook parents – I think it was two or three of them. I could be wrong. Were just awarded $450,000 because of the authors of a uh, – yeah, the authors of the book Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, a Mr. Mike Pal- Palachik and James Fetzner – I'm sorry, Fetzer. 
no N, Fetzer. Mike Palachuk and James Fetzer wrote a book called Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. And uh, a very prominent Sandy Hook uh, parent, Leonard Posner, you probably heard that name before. Yep. Leonard Posner, the father of one of the slain kids, Noah Posner. Um, he has kind of made it his life's mission to literally fuck up the world of everybody who is trying to make money off of the deaths of Sandy Hook children. I, uh, I've, I've heard some interviews with this guy. He seems pretty legit, and he's getting really good at what he does, too. He is amazingly good at what he does in an amazingly quiet voice. It's this very simple, quiet, deliberate, just fucking obliteration of these fucking people. Um, after the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, uh, Mr. Posner found out that like so many people believe that his son never existed and then was never murdered. And so he made it like he would just spend his weekends on uh, the Internet finding these false stories and then requiring them to be taken down as the father of the son that was killed. And he just turned that into like this small machine that fought these people. And he just kept going after bigger and bigger outlets that were doing this until he just butted up against Alex Jones and these these people who were making real money off the death of the son. And so this book does not involve Alex Jones. Alex Jones was not an author or cited in this book. There were two authors, like I said, uh, Mike Palachek. He settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. Uh, James Fetzner is on the hook for $450,000. So that, that judgment just came down. Um, right now, the reason I bring this up is because our buddy Alex, uh, you know, I'm totally not racist Jones, is looking down the barrel of four other lawsuits of this type, four other defamation lawsuits. He's got one in from uh, he's got one from Charlottesville. Uh, we talked about this before. His name uh, Brennan Gilmore. Yeah. Do you remember when uh, uh, after that Charlottesville rally, that woman was uh, you know this guy that that one guy who might have kind of been a Nazi memed his car into a protester and killed her. Yes. Uh. The man who filmed that, that that footage that everybody watched was 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 a man named Brennan Gilmore, and Alex Jones doxed the shit out of that guy, and told everybody that he was a deep state plant, and the whole thing was staged, and that yes, that uh, Heather Hayes might have died, but she had a heart attack, and she, I, this is a direct fucking quote, she had a heart attack because she was probably real fat. Was that's that Alex what, Jones? That's Alex Jones saying that. She had our attack. She's a big old fat lady. But um, the the car running over that that wasn't a problem at all. No, no. So he said that was all a deep state plot and docks the shit out of that guy. So that guy's doing the shit out of Alex Jones. Alex Jones has been trying from everything I can look up to settle that lawsuit for over a year and a half. But that guy's like, no, fuck you. I don't oh, want your money. That'd be so fun, yeah. I yeah. Re- yeah, I, I could because I imagine for him it's definitely got. I mean, yeah, money's nice, but I'm sure he's just he just wants to make Alex Jones' life difficult. Like that's a lot of the motivation. At least that would be if I were in that situation. Be like, oh yeah, maybe it I'll was, make some money out of this, but I'm gonna I'm taking this guy down. Like that's well, my the, goal. Well, what? Well, okay, yes, yeah, sixty forty. You're exactly correct. With a, there's gonna be money in this guy regardless because defamation lawsuit is gonna pay this guy out. Alex Jones is trying to pay him out on the quiet, and this guy's like, no. We're going to trial. You're going to sit in front of a camera. You're going to say this shit. I'm going to play the videos of you saying this shit. And we're going to show the screenshots of you saying showing people of map of where I live. 
you know, all this I, shit. I expect you'll keep me updated on any footage that comes out of these trials, but well, of course, I doubt there'll be much. Uh, not yeah, I don't know. So that's one of the four. You've got another defamation lawsuit coming out of Austin um, from a Scarlett Lewis. She was a Sandy Hook parent. There are three other Sandy Hook parents that I, I couldn't find their names in the lawsuit. There's So there's a second Austin uh, defamation lawsuit by three Sandy Hook parents. And then there's the final one. This one also includes Mr. Posner. Um, he's kind of the lead on this one from, from Connecticut, from Sandy Hook. And that involves six Sandy Hook parents. So right now, um, from what I can discern, uh, Alex Jones is under four different lawsuits, all based on defamation of what he said on his show which is filmed. It's, I mean, he says, like, they're just suing the shit out of me. The, DN, the deep state is, is funding these lawsuits, and they don't have anything because I didn't say that. And, I mean, I'm not going to do it right now, but we can just play fucking oh, 40 yeah. minutes. We could probably play 40 solid fucking minutes of Alex Jones saying it was a hoax, these kids didn't die. And that's fucking but, That's footage I have. Yeah, well, but he sold his tactical butt wipes, though. Well, I don't think he can sell that many butt wipes. I mean, no, not to cover the cost of that court trial. <laughs> well, the other thing, the other funny thing, Shay, is, is uh, for the last, like, I'd say three months, they have done just, like, endless, endless sales. And he keeps talking about how, like, you know what? Come Christmas, we're just going to sell the entire warehouse, and we're just going to burn hot and lean until the election, and then we're going to see where we are. It's like, no, what you're going to do is you're going to empty the warehouse because you're going to go to trial, I think, sometime in, like, April and May of next year. And you're just going to be burning through lawyer fees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll be so interesting to see how this comes up for him. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, you're looking at what? Two and a half million dollars right now. Like the yeah. $450,000 is of course under appeal. And you got, let's say, let's say each of the other ones is the same $500,000. Like you're looking at two and a half million dollars. Like he would have to liquidate, Infowars to keep up with that. Like, it would just go away. Yeah, that's, I mean, if he, yeah, dude, I wonder, no, you couldn't sell that brand. There's no way. Nobody carries yeah. it anymore. Well, actually, it's funny you say that. One of his lawyers is a guy named Robert Barnes. You need to Google this guy and look at him. He's just a big dirty fuck. And he has, he has literally, Robert Barnes, he has literally become more and more of a fixture on Infowars. Like, he hosts whole hours. He's always there. And so, Everybody. Oh, I know this fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody who watches Jones for entertainment value, like I do, that just listens to it while I'm working, going, "Well, that's wrong. Well, that's really racist." You know. Everybody's just waiting for uh, Alex Jones to have to duck out because he's going to jail, and Robert Barnes just slides in like nothing's happened. It just it just takes over because he hosts hours of that show. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So that would be funny. That will be all right. It's mine now. Change it to a different name. Maybe not, you know. I mean, shit happens, right? Yep. All right. So we talked about a bunch of stuff. Let's get to some fun stuff. That's not music and not my brother opening a beer with a pair of pliers again. Listen, you know, what What would you have me do? Just not drink beer? Uh, sh- shut your mouth. You just shush. Now, look, you see that shit just comes right off. It's, you know, it's no bigs. This is how a man does it, Justin. You know, there, check that out. Look at that. Successful. All right. All right. So. Fuck off my back. First question for you. 
Remember the strain on FX? Yes. Uh, Did you watch read, the last season? No, I read the first two books and the first part of the third, and then watched like the first four or five seasons. No, not even. I can't remember. Um, I'm there are assuming only the, four. There's four. Okay, so is do they ever get to the apocalypse shit or is it? So, uh, I watched it. I watched the first three seasons at the end of the first. The, I'm sorry, at the end of the third seasons where they detonate the atomic bomb, the light bomb. Yeah. And then I kept saying, like, okay, I can't wait for the fourth season. The fourth season has come and gone. It was like a year and a half ago. I totally fucking missed it. I don't know how this happened. Yeah, I, I remember it getting canceled. I didn't think it even had – I thought it only – I could have sworn it had five seasons, but yeah, four seasons. Uh, right. There was four, four seasons. So, so for those of you who haven't watched The Strain, you need to watch it. It was a fun vampire uh, – biological-based vampire show on FX where they used all of the tropes of vampirism. But they tied each one of them to a biological reason that the vampires had to do what they had to do. And the main reason they bite and everybody gets infected is because they pass a, uh, a small worm. Like, their blood's full of small worms. And so they pass that back and forth. So it's, it's, it was a fun take on the, the whole Nosferatu. The books are really fun. See, I've, I've, I've watched the first three seasons... I was super pissed the other night when I realized I missed the fourth season. It's on Hulu, though. Everybody can watch it on Hulu. So, like, when we're done with this, I'm going to go downstairs, pour myself a drink, and, uh, I mean, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get any more sober tonight. Um, uh, and watch, like, the, the probably maybe the last episode of the third season and start the fourth season. But I loved it. I was like, just so pissed with myself that I missed the whole fucking season. Like, the hell was I doing that? I don't know. I, yeah, I I feel like maybe I only watched to the end of the second season, and then I dropped off. And I don't even think I finished the rest of the books. But um, in the books, they they kill all like, the vampires kill everybody on Earth by. Um, it turns out that that over I can't remember his name the the the, the alpha vampire the old guy the oldest one. Yeah. Um, the count or whatever. Spoilers. He, yeah, whatever. Shut up. Um, <laughs> Shut up, nerds. Uh, but uh, they he it turns out he basically owns every nuclear power plant on the planet and detonates them all at once after huh. building a bunch of them. Like he he like spearheads this initiative. Like by he manipulates some dude to spearhead an initiative for nuclear power, and then donates all detonates all of them at once, uh, just you know covering the sky with a cloud, and uh, then the vampires can do whatever they want, and they have like people in camps and breeding camps and shit. Uh, it gets crazy. See, I was just, I was getting ready to tell you that I had uh, downloaded the comics. The the comics were always uh, Marvel, I want to say. Uh, they're not bad. I don't. I I, like, I've read the first few issues. Yeah, the, the, it, it lends itself to a comic really well. Yeah, the artwork's good. Um, but I downloaded the comics. I was going to run through those. And I was just getting ready to tell you that I don't think I had time for the novels. But I guess now I'm going to have to fucking read the novels. That sounds fun as fuck. Oh, they're great. And, and yeah. yeah, they're 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 a lot of fun. They they go pretty quick. Um, they're not, I can't, they're like, I feel like they're like three, 400, maybe 500 pay. They're not, they're pretty pulpy, but it's, it's good stuff. And it, yeah, they're good. You should read them. All right. So I, I was just kind of blindsided. I fucking forgot about that. Um, the other thing is, so did you ever get to see Joker yet? No, I haven't, I haven't bothered. Okay. You don't have to see Joe. You don't have to have seen Joker to see this thing that I want to show you. I meant to send you this earlier. Let me find you. I'll send you a link real quick. So apparently, so the iconic uh, scene that everybody's seen in the previews 
just any Alicia. Um, in the previews is Joker dancing on quote unquote the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. Those are classic stairs. Uh, they're they're apparently it's uh, 1165 Shakespeare Avenue in, in the Bronx. So Joker does this this uh, dance there. Now apparently the Joker is a uh, classic. Uh, at least this Joker is an incel hero uh, because he um, can't relate to anybody, doesn't have a girlfriend, and then apparently has to murder people to feel real. Uh, so this cosplay uh, cosplayer, uh, she's a uh, uh, Veronica Ray dressed up as a female Joker. And you're looking at the link. Mm, not yet, but continue. Okay, so she, she dressed up as a female Joker and went to these stairs and did a photo shoot. So this is a rather voluptuous woman in a uh, kind of a uh, cream uh, onesie that matches the Joker's vest. She's wearing, you know, red thigh-high uh, socks. She's got a, the purple jacket on. Uh, she's got a face done up, dyed her hair. And so she, you know, did did a photo shoot with, the, you know, some guy. Um, you know, she's a cosplayer. That's what, she, that's what they do. They dress up in some, you know, uh, overtly sexual version of some uh, comic book character and then take pictures and everybody's like, oh, cool, yeah. Well, when these pictures hit the, the internet, the incels were enraged. There were comments like, this oppresses gamers. Um, you are appropriating Joker culture. And then my favorite, it's extremely disrespectful and offensive. Who lets femoids do this? I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's, so... it's. it's that's like that's so funny too though because like slutty cosplay is an established thing. Like well, Google slutty Joker and there's a lot of shit that comes up. And that's that's what kind of like like first of all, I'm happy that the incels took time from going out in the world and murdering people because they can't get laid to comment on this this woman's pictures. But also, can we just mur- can we just like wipe all these people off the face of the earth? Like I, I mean, I'm not for putting people in camps. Maybe we can build a pyramid and make them all live in a pyramid or something. I don't know, but what? Why does it have to be a pyramid, man? I don't know. Just, um, you know, because just a nor- just an incel nature preserve. <laughs> I find like we yeah, can and, actually- then, and every every now and then all you do is you just airdrop a bunch of fucking Doritos and Mountain Dew in there, and they're they're fine. They can just do their uh. thing. I mean, like, the fact that somebody posted the word femoids on an yeah. actual website kills me. Like, that, keep, oh, I just, the insult culture is fascinating and disgusting, and also, like, I'm not usually for ethnic cleansing, because these guys aren't one ethnicity, but we could just, like, I don't know, maybe tag them and then hunt them for sport. That'd be fun. In this preserve you just described? Yeah, yeah, you could do that. It could be like the most dangerous game, and you just have a bunch of incels running around. I guarantee you we could sell tickets to that to some of these big game hunters that go out to Africa and cut the tail off a of fucking rhinoceros. I want to hunt the most dangerous game. Well, let's not jump okay. to conclusions about how dangerous <laughs> these guys are, but... Right. We got Captain Sweatpants over here. Yeah. How would we... you like to bag a keyboard warrior? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not going to run that fast because he just chain smokes camels. No way, dude. Vape Nash, bro. The guy, he's, he's <laughs> sucking down his vape. Yeah. It, so, okay, so that happened. Also, Joker's a great movie. These fuckers are ruining it, hands down. Um, 
Uh, okay. Uh, la- I don't know. You want to talk about Zombieland or you want to talk about the CW first? Huh? All right. So the CW is really ramping up their crisis on Infinite Earths. I wouldn't know. I haven't watched any of it. See, I'm so behind too. So you're behind too? They only started airing the new episodes in October. It can't be that far. Like, I mean, no, like we're like several months away from it, but like everybody and their sisters involved in it now. I'm I sure. think you and I have parts in it now. We Maybe. just haven't gotten the letter yet. Oh, okay. You're going to be playing fat Batman, and we're playing old Batman. I'm okay with it. Finally. Um, but yeah, so like everybody's getting parts in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I've actually trying. I'm starting to reread those comics so I can get ready for it. It's gonna be fun. But I'm like so behind on all my CW bullshit. Like we got we got Supergirls back. You got what? Flash is back. You got mm. Batgirl. Uh, Batwoman. I'm sorry. Batwoman. Please show some respect. She's a uh, Batwoman, not a Batgirl. Uh, um, and then uh, I assume a Legends of Tomorrow is coming back. I know. Black, Black Lightning, Lightning is back. back. Yeah. I never even watched the second season of that, so I got a whole season got, of that I could watch. I got I got about halfway through that one and I kind of trailed off. I I kind of need to get mono to catch up. That's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Just get sick. Yeah, just get sick. Okay. All right. So okay. So we're all behind on that. So let's finish this out with Zombieland Double Tap. That shit was so much fun. All I can say is Zombieland Triple Tap. Make it. I one. mean. Fucking yeah. Good. yeah. I, I uh, we'll see. I, I would be shocked if they did a third one. They barely got the first two made, but I know. Um, no, it was that movie. I, I you know honestly, I don't want to push it because I, I, I you've got the same writers, the same directors, the same cast, and it's like all these people in this cast have gone on. I mean, Woody Harrelson was big when they did it, but like they've all gone on to become much bigger stars. So the fact that everybody came back is pretty sweet. Uh, it is that that is as good as it could have been. I think. Well, and the funny thing it's been like ten years since the other one, oh, and yeah. all the production problems they had trying to get it off the ground, like this that that was as good as it could have been. Well, and the funny thing is, is when when Zombieland was first released, it was at the crest of the whole Walking Dead zombie thing, and so they just kind of like, okay, well here's the thing. Actually, I think it was before that crest. It was. It was before that. It was way before that. It was. Uh, that's what was so fun, and it just kind of came out of left field. Um, because, I mean, it uh, wasn't way before all that, but I think it was. Walking Dead was 2010, right? 2010 no, well, you're right. You're right. This was before that. It was 2009. Yeah. So this was like a year before the zombie shit blew up, and exactly. it just kind of came out of left field. And I remember a friend of mine saying, "Have you seen Zombieland?" I was like, "Yeah, I might catch it on video. I'm, I'm not feeling. I'm a little burned out on zombies because of that. I had just." Just rode the wave of zombie games as well. Yeah. And he's like, no, you need to see it. It's, that would it's be Left 4 Dead, right? So much better than you think it is. And it was, it's great. It's one of my favorite movies. It's it's a almost perfect horror comedy. It's almost perfect as far as like balancing gore and comedy. And the cast is great. You know, it, it had no right to be that good out of nowhere. And then uh, the second one's pretty solid too. I don't think there was any way it was going to be as good as the first one just because that was such a surprise. You know what I mean? Like, like you didn't expect that going into, and it was just great. Now I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do. We're gonna have to put a pin in this question until we do another podcast. But I'm almost positive that when Zombie Land was released in 2009, all four of the actor, the actors and actresses, so you got, you got. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. Oh, uh, if you can Google this for me, Jesse Eisenberg. Right, Jesse Eisenberg. And- 
uh, fucking uh, Emma Stone, and I, I can't remember what the actress for Little Rock is. That's the only See, that's 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 what I'm missing because she she and was she has in, not been in nearly as much stuff as the other people. Too. Exactly. That that's why we're we're drawing. Uh, okay, so you got um, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. That's it, Abigail okay. Breslin. In 2009, they had all been nominated for Oscars. Yeah, the, most of them have won, haven't they? But in 2019, only Emma Stone has won an Oscar. Ah, uh, <laughs> nice. So let's just, like, no, like, take a step back. In 2009, for a bullshit zombie, rom- like, fun romp movie, it was a comedy, it was, you know, a little bit of horror, a little bit of gore, a lot of comedy. They pulled four... Oscar Academy nominated, nominated yeah. you know, Oscar nominated actresses, actress yeah. and actresses. And then when they did the sequel, uh, Emma Stone had won an Oscar, and she was like, "Yeah, shit, I'll do it on one." Like that's yeah. fucking golden. Yeah, no, they, they, and it, again, it feels like the first one that you can tell they're really enjoying it. I mean, oh, yeah. there's a, there's, there's, there's great anecdotes off the set about how Woody Harrelson was super anxious that they were all super anxious about it because of how popular the first one was. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll probably go see it again just for giggles. All right. So like, to me, this is another like I don't want to I don't want to say a rehash, but to me, Zombieland felt a lot like the first one, 2009 version, felt a lot like a movie I walked into that I didn't expect to see because the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead, other yeah. classic rom com, um, I was told, it, I, like, I was drunk at a buddy's house, and I was at Mark's house, and they're like, hey, you want to watch Dawn of the Dead? That's what I heard. I was like, Aaron, I've seen it, but whatever. I mean, I'm holding a 64-ounce rum and coke in my hand. I, I'm, I'm game for whatever, right? And, uh, I mean, we were drinking Jackins back in the day. That That's some rough shit. But uh, they put on this movie, I'm like, hey, uh, I think you put on the wrong movie. And they're like, no, 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 Shaun of the Dead. And I hadn't seen it yet, and I had a ball. Yeah, like, I actually, I, I had torrented, I had read about Shaun of the Dead, but when it was in theaters in the UK, and then when it came out on Blu-ray there, I torrented a copy of it, but the only copy I could find was corrupt and stopped at the exact same point every time, so I ended up giving up on watching it, and then like a month or two later, it got a US run, and I was, I was all about it, I was there the day that shit opened up, I was oh, yeah. so into that shit, it's still to this day one of my favorite movies. It was, uh, and, and I think I would not have appreciated Shaun of the Dead, if I had gone in knowing what it was. Like, I walked in, I was sitting in my buddy's, you know, recliner in his house in the West End of Huntington, had a giant Roman Coke in my hand, we have been playing video games all evening, they wanted to watch a movie, I was like, alright, cool, I thought we were watching Dawn of the Dead, the one where they, like, hold up in the, um, the mall. Yes. Okay, and so I was like, alright, I've seen this, what if, what the fuck, ever, I'm game. And then, like, this rom-som-com started, and, you know, you got all these guys, you know, you got peed up in the bathroom being his own. I mean, it was great. I was like blindsided by how earnest it was. You got red on you. Exactly. All yeah, those. Good. There's so great, lines. many great lines. Yeah, that's yeah. And I think, but, and I think, uh, Zombieland is the same way. Like, I kind of knew what to expect because of you know the previous and whatnot, but it was also just reflect refreshingly fun. You know, it was fun. Uh, Rachel said, "Who directed Shaun of the Dead? Was that?" It's uh, it's Edgar, Peck. No, 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 no. He didn't direct. Edgar Wright directed it. Oh, yeah, okay. that's right. Because originally Edgar Wright uh, was the one that they had that was trying to do the Ant Man movie. 
Oh, first okay. version of it, and then then he got. He, I don't know what happened. But okay, yeah, Edgar Wright, sweet. Yeah, but yeah, so I, we were sitting around the other night, and Rachel was like, "I uh, like the preview for uh, Double Tap came out." I was like, "I was like, we're gonna go see that." She's like, "Well, I haven't seen the first one." I was like, "Oh, hold on, one second. Give me forty-two seconds, and we'll have it up and running right now." No, yeah, I'm sure she loved that shit. That's right up her alley. Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. Well, any other think- closing thoughts? Uh, Zombieland Double Tap is a great reason to check the audience scores, like Rotten Tomatoes, because like right now it's like ninety percent of people that saw it liked it, and then the critic score is like sixty-seven percent, which isn't bad. I'm just saying something. The RT changed how they rate things, and you should pay attention to it because of the negative bombing campaign yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just they they do it differently now, so. That I, I don't know how it works on the back end, but now you've got it's it's got a there's always a big discrepancy between the audience and the uh, oh there usually uh, is yeah, but yeah it's really sweet righty. well uh, like always we hope you guys enjoy this we enjoy the shit out of it now I've had a what two and a half pictures of beer Shay's uh, had several beers I have had three beers well that's your problem not my it's problem see he leaves that out. Corn liquor. Corn liquor. As always, like I said, hope you enjoy this. We enjoy the shit out of doing it. You can always hit us up on the Facey Spaces in the My Books. Uh, what are we on the Facebook? Uh, Facebook, it's at uh, Woodscast1776. Also, we're on the Twitters at Woodscast1776. Fuck the shit out of Alex Jones. We're going to keep that long after he's been sued into oblivion. And you can always send us a question, comment, or uh, reaction to how um, not handsome Shay is at thewoodscast1776 at gmail.com. Man, Robert Barnes kind of looks like Hodor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's you know, anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah except he's going to hold the door open for Alex Jones to leave and <laughs> yeah. take, take over that out. whole fucking network. All right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Maybe he'll turn it into a call-in legal advice show. That'd be the best <laughs> ever. They've done that, and it's not good. No, I, how could you do something like that? I'm sure it's well, kind of. Well, I mean, it's like you know the disclaimer that says it's well, it's not real attorneys. No, no, what they basically do is they call in to talk about how Trump should uh, round up all of his dissident people and throw them in jail. And Robert Barnes is like trying to like that's what Alex Jones is saying. The college are calling in to say that, and Robert Barnes is like, oh, okay, hold on, everybody, it's not how that works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So like, so like, any call-in show they have is gonna be Alex Jones shouting over good legal advice with absolutely bad legal advice. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, my lawyer Alex Jones says I should do this, so I'm. Done. Yeah, yeah. Well, considering he's losing four lawsuits as we record this, and we are on all the platforms he's not allowed on, that's true. I wouldn't take his advice. All right, Shay, we'll say goodbye to the nice people. Toodles, nice people. And as always, hail Hatcha and seize the means of production. I'm